It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where he had lived for many months and sent messengers to Alfred, offering to be baptized as a Christian, promising never again to bear arms against the people of Wessex. Alfred accepted the Danish proposal gladly, for his people were weary to death of war and hardship, and needed peace to till their lands. So Alfred, while he probably could have conquered all England, left the Danes in the part that had been most thoroughly conquered by them, calling it the Danelaw, and gave the Danes permission to live there unmolested, providing they promised to disturb his kingdom no further. The pact held good, and although at times it was broken, in general it was adhered to for many years. Saxons and Danes intermingled and married into the families of their enemies, and from them a new people gradually came into being. As soon as peace was assured, Alfred provided against future attacks on the part of the Northmen by ordering all the forts and strongholds throughout the kingdom of Wessex to be rebuilt and put into good order. He knew that the Danes could not be trusted, and feared that at any time new galleys might be seen bearing down upon the English coast. So he organized his army into several parts and thought out a system by means of which soldiers might always be on guard duty to withstand an invasion, while the rest of the people were peacefully tilling the soil. He also framed a code of laws. In the war and confusion into which his country had been thrown, the laws had fallen into a sorry state, and were frequently disobeyed. In his code, Alfred did not introduce new laws which his people disliked, but rather arranged and put in order the laws then existing. And his dominions soon became so orderly and so free from robbers that it is doubtful if all our police could do better today. Also the king found that the law had been hindered and impeded by many corrupt and worthless judges, some of whom knew nothing whatever about the duties of their office and these he warned to study and acquaint themselves with what a judge must know, or renounce their positions in law altogether. Then the Danes came again. They landed with a large army and tried to take Rochester Castle. Alfred hastened to the relief of this fortress, which was a most important one, and drove them away, pressing them so hard that they scrambled on their way to their vessels and set sail for the open sea. However, the Danes did not go back to their native land, but landed in Essex, where they were joined by their countrymen, in the Dane law who thus broke the word 
that they had pledged to Alfred. The new Danish army was much larger than Alfred's, and at first was victorious. But the entire navy of Wessex came to the rescue of the English and vanquished sixteen Danish ships in a tremendous sea-fight. The war then raged with varying fortunes until Alfred signed an agreement with Guthrum and laid siege to London, which had been taken by the Danes. In due time, London fell. Its capture gave Alfred a tremendous advantage over his enemies. He had the city strongly fortified, and it stood as a barrier to Danish vessels that strove to work their way up the River Thames. Moreover, it became one of the world's greatest trading centers, and merchants from all quarters of the earth visited it. When the Danes were finally defeated, Alfred, according to his custom, lost no time in building up his kingdom. First of all, he commenced to rebuild the monasteries and abbeys, which had been destroyed by the invaders. The first one he founded was at Athelney, in Somersetshire, in the midst of the marshes where he had fled for refuge when the Danes overran his country. He also founded a number of other monasteries and abbeys, among them the abbey at Shaftesbury, making his daughter Ethelgeda the abbeyess. Alfred loved books and learning, and had made his chief aim in life to acquire wisdom. He knew that if his people were to become really great, they must labor in the arts and letters and acquire knowledge from books. Practically all the books of that time were written in Latin, which few could read. So Alfred set himself about the task of making translations of the best and most valuable books of his day. The translation was done either under his direct care or by his own hand, and the boon to his people was greater than can be told. Alfred ordered the famous Anglo-Saxon chronicle to be written, which was designed by him to treasure up for future and historical happenings of his own time. To make the most of his time, the king divided the day into three periods, of eight hours each. In the first of these he labored for the church, in the second for his kingdom, and the third he devoted to rest and recreation. But although he labored hard and gained much by performing these good and wise deeds, Alfred had not yet heard the last of his old enemies, the Danes, who were to trouble him almost to the end of his life. After the defeats they had suffered at his hands, they had turned toward Europe and followed there their usual course, killing and plundering and bearing the women and children into slavery. At last, however, they were defeated in battle by the Emperor of Germany, and they turned once more to England, where they hoped the heroic king had relaxed his vigilance. Under the great Viking Hastings, a large force of them landed in Kent and prepared to ravage the country. Alfred sent his eldest son, named Edward, to keep close watch upon their movements, ordering him, however, not to engage them in battle until he himself should arrive with the bulk of the army. When he was on the march, and when the Danes knew that a large force was advancing against them, they tried once more their old trick of pretending friendship in order to throw their enemies off their guard. Hastings sent to Alfred professions of friendship and to show his apparent good faith, sent with the messengers his two sons, requesting that they be baptized as Christians. Alfred received the two Dane princes with great joy. After they were baptized, he welcomed them to a feast, and sent them to their father with many costly presents. The Danish plan succeeded. 
for by their professions of friendship the English relaxed their watchfulness and gave their enemies an opportunity to plunder and ravage the country and maneuver themselves into a position favorable to withstand either siege or battle. And Prince Edward sent word to his father that the Danes were doing these things and that he was unable to withstand them. Then Alfred, at the head of his army, joined his son and came up with the Danes at a place called Farnham in Surrey. There he met them in battle, and the bravery of Prince Edward was largely responsible for the victory that followed. The Danes were utterly routed, and many of their galleys fell into the hands of the English, with many women and children. And among these prisoners were the wife of Hastings and his two sons, who had so recently been baptized. And when Alfred learned who they were, he sent them back to Hastings in spite of his treachery, and, not content with doing this, loaded them down with more presents for the Danish king. The work of defeating the Danes was not yet finished, for they were in many different strongholds which must all be captured before the country could be wholly rid of them. But after several campaigns, Alfred saw, if he could obstruct the river Lee near London, he would strand their ships and be able to attack them at his pleasure. The king accomplished his ingenious design by digging a number of ditches, and soon drained the water from the river into another channel. And when the Danes beheld that their ships would soon be useless to them, they took flight, pursued by Alfred's soldiers. Hastings then sought to go back to the Danish women and children on the few boats that were left to him, and finally sailed away for good and all, with only a small part of his vast force with which he had attempted to conquer England and Alfred saw how mistaken he had been to show any kindness to Hastings' force, and had some Danish prisoners hanged as a lesson to the freebooters. For four years thereafter, Alfred was able to lead a peaceful life and continue the good works that were to change history and make England a nation in other things than mere force of arms. All his life, however, the king had suffered from a disease that afflicted him sorely and it was only his great spirit that enabled him to continue so arduously in the wars and labors that made him greater than all others. In the year 901, or close to that time, he died, and was succeeded by his son Edward, who bravely defended his country against any further attacks by the Danes, becoming after his father one of England's greatest kings, known as Edward the Elder. One thousand years after Alfred's death, a great festival was held in his honor in the city of Winchester, which he had defended against the Danes, and where he was buried. His statue stands there today, watching over and guarding the great nation that would not be in the world at all, if his hand and heart had failed it. End of chapter 6 Recording by Mike Vendetti Florence, Colorado, www.mike.com vendetti.com